Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Well, today as we come to our final week of our series, PTSD, preparing to spiritually decompress, how are you all doing? I mean, how are you doing with your anxiety? How are you doing with your tension? How are you doing with that knot in your stomach? I mean, I mean, how are you doing decompressing as we've been talking about over these last number of weekends? How are you doing managing your expectations? Come on, be real, be honest. Um, are your expectations being disappointed? Are they being met? Are you adjusting them? How are you doing with your motivations as we've been talking about over these last number of weekends? Last two weekends, we talked about Maintaining harmony. How are you doing with handling disagreement without becoming disagreeable? And how are you handling honoring others when you are tempted to pass judgment on others? You see, I said it at the beginning of this series, but it bears repeating this morning. The vision of Grace Crossing Church will be stress-tested like nothing else we have ever seen before. Are we fully committed to the vision God has given us at Grace Crossing Church? Are we fully committed to being emotionally healthy people, deeply integrated, our emotional life with our spiritual life? Are we self-aware? Are we emotionally honest? More, More and most importantly, are we loving others deeply the way Jesus loved us deeply? That's what we're calling all of us to as we are preparing to resume our services on Welcome Back Sunday next weekend on July the 12th. Before I come into our final weekend of this series and the final topic I want to talk about, let me mention the new series that I'm starting next weekend on July the 12th. We're starting next weekend a brand new series that I'm entitling Recalibrate. Recalibrate. To recalibrate... Uh, is to adjust the way you do something or to adjust the way you think about something. I can tell you we are physically adjusting the way we do church and have done church here at Grace Crossing Church. Like many churches, things are different. Things will continue for a, a season to be different from what we're used to. If you want me to be very honest with you, I'm not so sure that God wants our big ambition to be going back to the way life used to be before the pandemic. I think there's something better God has for us. I think there's something new God has for us. And in this series, Recalibrate, we're going we're to talk about the ways that we not only need to adjust the way we do things, but we need to adjust the way we think about things. Because that's really, really important. I believe that God uses the circumstances of our lives to recalibrate our hearts and our hopes to heaven. And that'll be the focus of our new series next weekend as we launch it entitled Recalibrate. This morning as we close out uh, this series PTSD, I want to speak about this final topic which is perhaps the most significant of all the topics we've dealt with, even though all of them 
have I think been critical, important, and vital to the way that we interact and have relationships with one another during this season that is different for us. This morning, I want to talk about, in this final week, guarding your heart. Guarding your heart. People are spending a lot of time these days trying to protect themselves and protect others physically, and I think it's critical we do it well. But I think what's even more important than all of that is how well we do at protecting and guarding our hearts. So let me lead into this week by giving you two questions to ponder. Here's the first question. When God talks about you in heaven, and don't look now, but when God speaks about you in heaven, what do you think it is God says about you? In other words, when God talks about you, what are the things or the characteristics God may mention about you? Now, come on, let's be honest for a moment. We as parents and as grandparents, we talk behind our kids' backs, right? We talk behind our grandkids' backs. We, we do it not in a malicious way, but in a loving way. Um, I spent uh, the last week, Kelly and I, on the East Coast visiting with family in Pennsylvania and family in Virginia with our daughter Aubrey and son-in-law Josh and, and our three grandkids there, and it was wonderful. And on the drive home, we talked a lot about our kids, our family, our grandkids, and when we talk about people by name, we often talk about the things that most stand out to us, the things we love about them, the things we cherish about them. So let me ask you again, when God talks about you in heaven, what do you think it is he says? You're his child. You're his beloved son and daughter. Well, here's the second question I want you to ponder as we lead into this week. What is it you would want God to say about you? What is it you'd want God? So when God's up there talking about you, what is it you'd want God to be saying about you? If I had to choose only one thing that I could have God say about me, I think I would borrow and choose the way God spoke of David when he spoke of David. When God spoke of David, King David in the Old Testament, here's what God said about him. These are God's words about David. David is a man after my own heart. And God was looking to replace Saul as king. God was looking for someone. And he found David, a little shepherd boy. Not impressive. Nothing significant about his life that would have stood out as being the chosen anointed king. But God saw something. God saw something in his heart. God saw a posture in David's heart that so captured God's attention that God says, there is a man who's after my heart. He's not only running after my heart, he's not only chasing after my heart, but he's shaped after my heart. Now just think about that for a moment. There are thousands of people that are referenced in the Bible, hundreds and hundreds that are mentioned by name. And yet there's only one that God ever says, there is a person 
after my own heart. Now we know from reading the narrative of scripture, David was not a perfect human specimen. In fact, David, many would say, was a colossal failure in so many ways. David would not be in positions today in church leadership based on his resume. There are people that would have said long ago, David's disqualified, and for good reason. But sadly, we only judge people often by what we see on the exterior, by what little limited information we have and know. What we don't see is what God sees. What we don't see is what's deep inside people that God's looking at. And, and guess what? He's looking at you today. Here's another way to talk about the heart that David had. It's found in Chronicles. Second Chronicles 16, verse number nine. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. When the Bible there talks about God's eyes ranging throughout the earth, it's talking about the eyes of the Lord searching, moving, looking throughout the whole earth in order to do what? To strengthen those whose hearts are fully devoted to him. That's the kind of heart David had. And there were times that David failed God because what he didn't do is he didn't guard his heart well. This morning, what I want to talk about is how we can do a good job of guarding our heart, the precious thing God has given to each of us. Now listen, when the Bible talks about the heart, almost 100% of the time, it is not referring to the organ that is located in the center of your chest cavity. That's not what it's talking about. When the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about the place of your values, the deepest center of what matters to you most. It is the real you. It's the things that you put forth as the priorities in your life. It's, it's the things you worship. It is actually the most intimate part of who you are because it's the part that controls everything else in your life. We often think of our brain as the control center of our physical body, but it is our heart that actually is the control center of our spiritual and moral life. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to take you to a passage of Scripture that actually gives us really good wisdom for how we can guard our heart and why it is so critical and vital that we be diligent about guarding our heart. And as we do this this morning, I want you to keep in mind, what is it you would like God to say about you? What are the things that you would want God to know most about you and be able to say when he speaks your name, this is what I think of with that person. I want to take us to a passage in Proverbs chapter 4. I want to read verse number 23, which really frames the passage for us. Solomon is the author, and he writes this. Above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. 
For everything you do flows from it. Now, I used to believe that what Solomon was writing about here is that Solomon was writing about himself and he's speaking to someone else about their life. But the more I've meditated and I've reflected on this passage, I am wondering if Solomon has in mind his father. I wonder if Solomon is thinking back to his dad and to some of the ways his dad, who had a heart after God, let down his guard at times and paid a dear price for it. No doubt Solomon was very dialed into his family of origin. He knew everything about his past, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And when Solomon writes this word guard, in the original Hebrew language, it, it, it's used elsewhere of a literal guard in a prison cell. That's how the word is used elsewhere. It means to watch over someone or something with careful diligence, making sure you don't let that thing get out of control. Our heart has a tendency to do that. The Bible elsewhere says that the heart is deceitfully wicked, beyond cure. Who can understand it? But that's not the end of the story. It says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the heart. I challenge the heart. Sometimes I shake the heart because I want to find out what's deep inside of the heart of an individual. And I want to get out of that person what's in them to reveal it to them so they can deal with it or to bring it forward so they can celebrate it. And the Bible here is calling us, it's challenging us to be diligent about the real us, about the most intimate part of us, the part that nobody else can see. You see, I see you this morning, some of you physically that are here, but there's parts of you I cannot see and I can never see. And so I can never judge them, the parts I can't see. All I can do is look at what I see with my eyes, but listen, what God does is his eyes search the whole earth. He searches this community. He searches this church in order to strengthen those whose hearts are completely committed to him. Now, why does Solomon say this? Why does he tell us that above all else, more important than anything else, guard your heart? Here's why. Because from it, everything else flows. So the next four verses, what Solomon does is he actually double clicks on this verse. And what he does is he says, listen, everything else that flows out of your life comes out of this place. And then he talks about four things. Talks about our mouth. Talks about our eyes. He talks about our thoughts. And he talks about our feet or our walk. And what he says is those things do not stand alone and they do not function alone. What Solomon actually proposes to us in this text of scripture is this. He actually says the path 
of your life follows the promptings of your heart. The path of your life follows the promptings of your heart. I come to this morning's talk with a premise or what we call around here our big idea at Grace Crossing Church. Here it is. The most difficult person for me to manage is me. Let me say it again. The most difficult person for me to manage is me. The most difficult person for me to lead is not you. It's not Grace Crossing Church. The most difficult person for me to lead is Gil Dukeman. The most difficult person for me to guard is not you. It's me. The most difficult person to control is not you. It's me. There's a story of an old Hasidic Jew that on his deathbed made a profound, stunning confession. He said, when I was a young man, I tried to change the world. And when I realized I couldn't change the world, I sought out to change my country. And when I realized I couldn't change my country, I focused on changing my state. And when I realized I couldn't change my state, I decided instead to change my city. When it became clear to me I could not change my city, I decided I would change my community. When I failed at changing my community, I focused on changing my neighborhood. I couldn't even change my neighborhood, so I focused on changing my family. And when I realized I couldn't even change my family, I focused on changing me. And I think that is profound. Because the most important person for you and for me to lead is not someone else, it's us. The Bible does not say guard the heart of others. The Bible says guard your heart. For out of it flows everything else in life. The first thing he links to the everything is our mouth. Here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 24. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Now, Jesus had a lot to say about our words, about our speech. And one of the profound things Jesus said about it is this, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That is just another way that Jesus is saying this. Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it everything else flows, including your words. What you say and how you say it. You see, in our life, I think of our mouth as a bucket that is constantly reaching down into the well of the inner man in my heart, and it's pulling out of that that well, what is inside of me. The words I speak, the things I say, and the way that I say them are very revealing. Oh, they may be revealing to others, but man, they're revealing to me. And they're revealing to God. Because God understands that the language we speak, the way we talk, the way we talk about others when we're with them and when we're not, says a lot about what's inside of our hearts. When the Bible here uses this word, perversity, the word could be translated 
stubbornness, or it could be translated unreasonableness. In other words, keep your mouth free from stubbornness. I don't know if you're like me, but I got a streak of stubbornness in me. There are times I can be stubborn about my position, about what I think, about the way that I feel. I've encountered a few others in the last few months who can be pretty stubborn about the way they think and feel. But when we become unreasonable, here's what I've learned in life. You cannot reason with unreasonable people. You cannot reason with unreasonable people. And so we are called to keep our mouths free of stubbornness and unreasonableness and keep corrupt talk far from our lips. Why? Because our mouth is like a bucket that reaches into the well and pulls out of it. That's why we got to guard our hearts because the language and the words we use, the way we speak to others about others really tells a lot about who we are. The second thing that Solomon talks about is the eyes. Verse number 25 of Proverbs chapter four. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Now, we are living in a time when we're not getting to see people's mouths very often. We're getting accustomed to looking at individuals who are wearing face coverings for good reasons. And yet we can't tell how they're feeling many times because our mouths say so much, don't they, about how we feel. But there's something else Jesus said about the way that we communicate what's inside of us. He talked about it coming through our eyes. He said, the eye is the window to the soul. If the eye is filled with light, your whole body's filled with light. But if your eye is full of darkness, your whole body becomes darkened. And listen, I think we're going to have to learn as a community and as a country, we're going to have to learn how to smile through our eyes. We're going to have to learn how to greet each other with our eyes. We're going to have to learn really well how to see into the heart of a person and into their soul by looking into their eyes. What I'm grateful for is I'm grateful because so many people communicate with others and they never look at their eyes. Have you ever met people like that? You don't know where they're looking, but they're certainly not looking at you. Well, we're going to be really challenged in this season to learn to look at each other. Look into the eyes of others. You see, guarding your heart is important because from it, the way you look, where you look, how you look matters. And perhaps that's why the, Hebrew, the, author, the author of Hebrews said this, that we are called to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is both the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Listen, Jesus is the one who blazed the trail for our faith, and Jesus is the one who will see it through to completion. And that's why we are not to fix our eyes on any other person and fix our gaze on them. We are called to squarely fix our gaze on Jesus because Jesus is leading the way in our Christian faith. He is the one that is showing us how 
to decompress. He is the one that's going to show us how to manage our expectations, how to make sure that we are examining our motivations and how we are doing at maintaining harmony. But Jesus is also the one that's going to help us to guard our hearts. As we fix our gaze straight ahead on Christ, God's going to help us. He's going to guide us. He's going to see us through. And never before have we needed God's eyes to lead us and guide us. We're stepping into uncharted territory, friends. The church in America is stepping into uncharted waters, at least in our lifetime. And I think what we're going to see is we're going to see God's eyes and vision lead the way if we will simply keep our focus straight ahead, our gaze on him. A third thing that flows out of the heart is our thoughts. Proverbs chapter four, verse 26. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all of your ways. Give careful thought. You see, out of the deepest part of our lives comes the way that we think. Your brain doesn't determine that. Your heart determines that. What your heart is doing is your heart is actually sending the signals to your brain that then sends signals to your body to respond, to do something. What the Bible tells us here is that we are called to give careful thought. In other words, the the author uh, of Colossians, Paul the Apostle, said it this way, set your minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Do not set your minds on things of this earth that are temporal, that are passing away. We should never get too tethered too tightly to things that are temporary. But we can always tether tightly to the things that are eternal, the things that are going to last forever. Now, by way of follow-up with what I've talked about the last number of weekends, we've talked about Romans chapter 14, and Paul who's dealing there with what people eat and what they don't eat, matters of conscience. And what Paul says, basically in essence, is this. There are some of you who are going to get all bent out of shape about what people eat. There are some of you that could care less you're going to eat everything. And here's the deal. All things are acceptable. All things are good by God if they're received with thanksgiving. If they are done in faith to glorify God, eat away and drink away. (laughs) If you can do it that way. In other words, don't pass judgment. But also don't deny your own conscience. And Jesus had something, too, to say about this when he talks about food. And it has to do with our thoughts. Here's what Jesus said. It is not what you put into your body, into your stomach, that defiles a person. It is not what a person eats or drinks that makes them unclean. What makes a person defiled and unclean is what comes out of the abundance of their heart. Jesus goes on in another place to say this. A good person out of their good treasure brings good things. But an evil person out of the abundance of evil brings forth evil things. 
What Jesus there is saying is exactly what Solomon's talking about here. He's suggesting that the thoughts of our lives, we've got to be careful about them because it is out of the abundance of what's inside of us that those things flow. The goal in life is not to change the way you think. The goal in life is to change your heart. It's to guard your heart. Because if you guard the treasure of your heart, you're going to produce good things in your life. If you get sloppy... If I get lazy on my heart, if I simply just let my heart go wherever it so desires and I do not guard it with diligence, my thoughts pay a price. Because out of the abundance of what's inside of me comes forth the way I think. You see, it is the pondering of our heart that affects the pathway of our life. Not just in our words, not just with our eyes, not just with our thoughts, but finally, Solomon says, with our feet, with where we walk. Verse number 27. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Do not turn to the right or to the left. When the Bible here talks about these sorts of things, what it's talking about is following the pathway of God. It's talking about staying on God's path for your life and not being thrown by what's happening on one side of you or what's happening on the other side of you. Can I just say this morning that I think it's fitting that the Bible here uses the term right and left? Politically, we have a right and we have a left, right? There is a right and a left in almost every area of life that we can think about. There are people who lean left. There are people who lean right, politically and otherwise. And what we can do, if we are not careful, is we can get thrown by what's happening on our right or what's happening on the left. And listen, it's easy, isn't it, to say there is their way and there is the right way, my way. So the left certainly can't be right, right? They're wrong in every area because this is the right way. For the past week plus, as we've been visiting with family, I've not watched news. Like, I uh, detoxed off of the news for over a week. And man, was it refreshing. The world felt like a happier place to me. Everybody seemed more pleasant. I, I found my knot was gone in my stomach. I, I wasn't hearing that term every day, those terms that I'm so used to hearing when I'm watching the news, those terms that are polarizing, combative, want you to take sides. And then I turned on the news when we got back in town and I'm back into the world again. And there's the right way and the left way. But listen, friends, there isn't the right way and the left way, there's God's way. And God's way should be our goal. The way we step in life should not be about, am I right, am I leaning right, or am I leaning left? It should be about, am I leaning forward for God? Am I doing what God's asked me to do? Am I being his ambassador here on this earth? Now, I've spent 
considerable time with kids and grandkids, my kids when they were young, my grandkids recently, saying to them, watch your step. Careful where you walk. Take my hand. That's what God does with us. God's word is all about telling us, be careful where you walk. Be careful how you step. Be careful where you go. But don't worry about it. Just put your hand in mine. And I'm going to lead you, and I'm going to see you through. Above everything else, friends, I'm calling us this morning as we close out this series, PTSD, let's guard our hearts because from it will flow the words of our mouth, where our eyes are looking, the thoughts of our mind, and how we step forward as God's children, as God's people. As we wrap up this series, let me leave you with one final verse, and then I want to lead us in prayer. From Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 22. I think it's a beautiful summary to our series PTSD. It summarizes my heart as a pastor for this church on how I believe God wants us to move forward together. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. The translation of that could be from a pure heart, from a pure heart. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I don't know about you, but I want to see God. And how do I see him? I see him when my heart is transparent, when my heart is authentic, when my heart is genuine. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who guard their hearts. For from that, everything else in life will flow. And what I want flowing out of Grace Crossing Church is God's deep love for one another. And we can only do that as God flows through us. So as I close this morning, I think it's fitting on this Independence Day weekend where we know the value of pledging allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. And we do so in a way of honor and respect when we place our right hand over our hearts to pledge allegiance. But those that are with us this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand. Those of you that are joining us by this broadcast service, you're welcome to stand and join us as we close this service in just a moment with a song, but this way of praying today. Instead of pledging allegiance to a flag this morning, let's place our right hand over our hearts and let's pledge our allegiance to the one who gave his life for us and say, God, would you help us to guard the heart you've given to me? Listen, there are no two hearts like yours. Nobody else has your heart. If God doesn't get your heart, God won't get, if he doesn't get your heart, He'll never get that heart because there's no other heart like yours. And so you can offer God something today nobody else can. You can offer him your heart and you can pray God will help you to guard it because we need God's help, don't we, to do this. Let's hold our hearts and let's pray this morning. Father, we offer our allegiance to you today, first and foremost. Before we are anything else, we are your beloved, redeemed children. 
We are your creation. We are the apple of your eye. We are the ones you gave your life for to redeem us. We place our right hand over our heart this morning, recognizing that it symbolizes something much more profound than a physical organ. That placing our right hand over our heart today symbolizes the deepest interior part of who we are, the real us, the most intimate part of us, the part that only you fully know. Thank you, God, for giving us our unique heart. And we invite you, God, to help us to guard our heart with all diligence because we recognize today that from it flows all the issues of life. Everything about us comes from this place. So God, we want to give it to you today. We offer you our hearts. We ask you to help us to guard them, to keep them, to consecrate them for you, God. Make us like you in all ways. And at the end of the day, may all of us have the privilege of being known as David was, as people after God's own heart. Because that can be said of us, God. So help us to have hearts that run hard after you and that are shaped by you, I pray. We ask all these things in Christ's name. The one who loved us, the one who died for us, the one who redeemed us. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.